Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This episode is brought to you by Under Armour, giving every athlete the support they deserve to overcome obstacles on and off the court. At the latter years of my volleyball career, I started realizing that, you know, I'm not getting that same sense of fulfillment I used to get by just playing the sport. So that's when I felt the sense of responsibility to pass what I know to the next generation and provide opportunities also for them to be the best version of themselves. You're listening to one of the Philippines' most talented and accomplished pro volleyball players, a cerebral setter, a fan favorite, and a powerful woman. Hi, I'm Chia de Guzman, former Lady Eagle, currently playing for the Cream Nine Cool Smashers and the Philippine national team. And I'm Siege Tantengo, sports reporter and advocate for women. You're listening to Go Hard Girls. This episode is brought to you by Under Armour. Born Gia Morado, you could say that volleyball was in her blood. We're four siblings, three sisters, and the youngest of is a boy. And thankfully, all of us play volleyball. We were exposed to the sport at a pretty young age. And when you say um, four kayong magkakapatid, pang ilan ka dun? I'm the third. All four Morado siblings would play volleyball in the UAAP. Jessica Morado was a spiker for the Ateneo Lady Eagles. Jamie Morado, a libero for the UST Growling Tigresses. Even her only brother, Ariel Morado Jr., would follow in their footsteps to become a setter for the Blue Eagles. But the young Gia was supposed to take a different path because volleyball was not her first sport. So by the time you were growing up, your ates were already playing Right, yeah, they started first, and then I think I started like a couple of years after. Actually, it took a lot of convincing from them for me to go into volleyball because basketball was my first sport because dad is a basketball player. How did you convince to try volleyball? Well, in our village, there's a court nearby, and a lot of our neighbors play every night. And I'm just there on the side watching until eventually both of my sisters started playing. Kids my age started playing also, but then, you know, I never really got into it. I was playing basketball on the side. I never got to play basketball in a team setup. It was just by myself or like with my dad. You know, shooting, shooting lang. But in our school, we could only join a varsity team when we reached grade five. So when that time came, I wanted to join the basketball team. But unfortunately, that year, they had to stop the women's basketball team. So I was looking for another sport. And then they said, why don't you just try volleyball? Like, train two times. And then if you like it, then go. If you don't, and then at least you tried. 
It was the lack of opportunities in women's basketball that led Gia to pursuing volleyball. And even then, the path towards pro volleyball had not yet been fully paved. But then when I started playing, a year, I wasn't 100% into it, but it was, there was something about it that was so challenging. Was it hard when you made the transition from basketball to volleyball? I think there were skills in basketball that made it easy for me to play volleyball. Like, I think the best would be the shooting motion. I think that's something that helped me in my position as a setter in volleyball. Like, the accuracy or the, like, the precision of getting a ball to a specific spot at a specific speed. So when you moved over to volleyball, in terms of the opportunities for girls, what is the availability of camps, of lessons, of media, of everything for girls? You know, I was fortunate enough to play in a school with a good sports program for volleyball. I didn't really find the need to find camps or academies outside of my school. There weren't a lot of academies or club teams going around for girls my age to, you know, do extra work or to, you know, play off-season because volleyball at our age was school-based. It's not a year-round thing. So what happens during summer? What happens over vacation when I want to play or when I want to train more and improve myself? Those opportunities weren't as much available for us that time. Napaka-iba ng volleyball back in the 90s versus now. Because now, volleyball is one of the most popular sports in the Philippines. It's regularly televised. You know, you have sponsorships. It can really be a career. But when you were younger, how different was it in terms of you being able to picture the possibility of a professional career? Parang natatawa na ako kasi I remember when I was young and I was starting out, parang I think our parents just wanted us to pursue something other than academics. You know, making us well-rounded. You know, if there's opportunity, then go. If it makes you happy, go. So I started grade five. I had until grade seven. And then I thought I was done until my mom asked me, so when are you trying out for the high school team? So parang, wait, I never planned <laughs> trying out for the high school team. And I know how hard high school is. Like, I know the school has a terror high school coach. And, you know, the level gets much higher, more competitive. Like, do I want this? But eventually I did. I did try out. I played four years there. And then I thought, tapos na. Because back then, like, it's hard to get in a varsity team in elementary and high school, but much harder to get into a university team. But then college was the last na naisip ko kasi there weren't any professional leagues after college that time. This is something we've talked about on the podcast before. The lack of opportunities for women and girls compared to their male counterparts. These days, we think of this as affecting sports like basketball. Women volleyball players seem lucky by comparison. But Gia remembers the time when there weren't many opportunities for volleyball players either. The only way for you to play after college is if you join or you enlist in the army, in the navy, 
ganun lang. But then they only play like amongst themselves. So when I was in the last two years of my college, doon lumabas yung mga professional tournaments, club teams, company teams who started giving jobs or opportunities for volleyball players to play even after college. The growth of volleyball and that of the players themselves shows how high women can soar if provided with adequate opportunities. So it really gives like careers and opportunities for women to, you know, keep practicing what they spent years working on, what they poured, you know, their hearts and souls into. I'm just really thankful because there's that timing that I never planned on, you know, moving on to the next stage. Yeah, and, and you said no timing. Parang if you just started a few years, you might not be here. You might have a corporate job. You might... Exactly, yeah. <laughs> okay, time machine time. Let's go back to the early 2010s, when playing for Ateneo launched Gia into volleyball stardom. College marked a turning point in Gia's volleyball career. In Ateneo, she came after the likes of Eliza Valdez and Denden Lazaro. She also played alongside Bea de Leon and Dina Wong under coach Tai Bundit. the time Gia looks back on fondly, from the bond she formed with her teammates to unexpected wins at UAAP tournaments. The boom of volleyball was slowly paving the way for a future after college varsity. But Gia's Ateneo journey did not start off without a hitch. So when you were there in Ateneo, Going from, hey, I wasn't even planning on playing in college, and I'm in this ultra-competitive team with this ultra-competitive coach. What was that shift? <laughs> Batchmates kami ni Coach Tai. Sabay kami pumasok ng Ateneo. So, I don't know if I'm happy. Like, the first time I found out na, oh gosh, we're getting a Thailand coach to train in my first year. And the thing is, in my fourth year playing in high school, I tore my ACL. So I was recovering pa lang. I just got back into the sport when Coach Tai arrived sa team. So that was that made it all the more hard for me to transition. Going through therapy every day and not knowing if I'm going to get to 100% recovery. That was very taxing for me. I remember a good two weeks straight that I cried every day because my knee was in so much pain. And he was just, he was pushing me to get over my fear of getting injured again, which I understand. But, you know, emotionally and physically, it was the worst of my life. But then, you know, having Silatelais, Silateden, and everyone in the team and my batchmates pushing me, telling me that, no, like, this is not the worst. Like, you can get through this. Like, we're here naman for you. It's a team sport. You're not alone in this. So when I got over that hump after that first year, and then we got that championship, parang it made everything so much worth it. Like, lahat ng iyak ko, lahat ng pinaghirapan namin as a team under Coach Tai. A feat that will be etched in UAB Women's Volleyball Record Books. Your champion, 
for season 77 of the UAB, the Ateneo de Manila University, Lady Eagles. How life-changing was that decision for you to commit to playing for Ateneo in college? Ateneo was really my number one choice. It was my dream school, like in terms of course, environment, campus, everything I looked for in a university. When I got used that, I passed the exam and then I got accepted into the team. It was surreal for me. Thank God I went into volleyball. <laughs> Thank God I was forced into the sport. <laughs> Coming into play in the court for Ateneo wearing the jersey, especially during you know, Ateneo Lasalle games. Even until my fourth year, hindi pa rin ako na wow, like I'm here, I got to play, and you know I'm gonna do my best. Yun na talaga. When did the boom happen relative to your career? Even before I started playing in college, I was already watching collegiate volleyball because my sisters played. I reached that time that no one watched volleyball. If you're familiar with Phil Oil Arena, there are three levels. So there's Gen Ad, there's Lower Box, and then there's the Patron. When I was watching my sisters play, Gen Ad was free, Lower Box was 20 pesos, and Patron was 50 pesos. And that's because no one really watched that, like, except maybe the big rivalry games. But then most of the time, nobody watched. But then I saw, like, slowly, the madamin tao na the level of competitiveness in the sport slowly got higher and higher. And the year before we got the championship, in my first year, the Ateneo volleyball program was already good. It was starting to go up. There were podium finishes. So it didn't start with us. It started with, you know, a lot of women before me that, you know, made it possible for us to reach that level, get more opportunities to get better also. Gia still has a highlight reel of happy Ateneo memories in her mind. I think it'll have to be, you know, in my rookie year, the stepladder series we had to go through up until the championship. So the stepladder series was, there were four teams in the semifinals, but because LaSalle swept the whole eliminations, we had to go stepladder. So we were ranked three. We had to go for a do or die match against Adamson. And then we won that. And then we had to beat NU twice in two do or die games. And then we won that. And then we had to beat LaSalle three times to get the championship. So going into that season, honestly, we weren't expecting much. Because if we revamped, it's a new team, it's a new coach, it's a new system. The best we thought of was third place. So after Adamson, we're like, okay, goal achieved. Parang, ano na lang to? Like, kung saan tayo abutin, let's just do our best. You know? And then we won against NU once. But we never beat them before that. So kami parang, okay, parang lucky. We're blessed. Ganun. So parang malabo nang manalo tayo ulit dito kasi babawi na yan sa atin eh. And then we beat them again. Kami parang, oh, wow. Parang we got second place at least. Parang, okay na. Parang kung saan tayo abutin dito. Kasi... <laughs> Fast forwarding to the final game of the season and then winning it in straight sets. Kaya yun yung championship na sobrang naramdaman ko talaga. 
you know, from ACL to you know, going through everything, from seeing all of my teammates, you know, cry and suffer in training because of how hard Coach Ty's program was, and then winning it all in the end after going through a step ladder series like that. That was, that's too much. That's too much. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's sobrang fulfilling. And when we win, when we lose, the best thing that we can get from it is yung experience and yung learnings the knowledge and wisdom we get from, you know, the opponents we go up against. But of course, we're very grateful also for, you know, the platform that comes with the sport that we play. The fans, they were part of why the sport grew like this. You know, we also get messages from fans that they get inspired also to do their best in whatever they're doing, even if it's not volleyball related, like sa exam nila or magtitisis sila or may big test sila bukas. We also get messages from them saying na, oh, because we saw you play and give your best on court. Parang sobrang na-inspire ako. And now, a message from our sponsor. This episode is made possible by Under Armour, giving Filipina athletes the winning advantage, both in sports and in life. Under Armour knows that female athletes face a variety of challenges. So they work with many Filipinas to empower them at different levels of their sport. While this episode was made to celebrate the International Day of the Girl on October 11, their commitment is year-round. Once again, thank you to Under Armour for believing in Filipina athletes and giving them the support they need to succeed. There was no more turning back for Gia. Pro volleyball was no longer just a dream. It was an option. It became her reality. Playing for the Creamline Cool Smashers had both its comforts and its challenges. There were familiar faces, a chance for a fresh start, and later on, the chance to represent the country in international games. I think fortunately when it came to that time that I had to decide if I'm going to pursue a professional career in the sport. That was around my third year or fourth year in college. Rubisco already had a club team or they were starting to form a club team. And, you know, Rubisco has always been supportive of the volleyball program, even at Ateneo. And even after professional volleyball, like there's also that option to go into the corporate world with them after. So that kind of security was already available for us. After college, I took a couple of months off to go on vacation because I know when I sign and start training for Creamline, being an athlete, a professional athlete, it's a 24-7 thing. So it's more than just playing. We have to take care of our bodies. So going into your first training, I was very excited. I said, I had an excuse to call myself a rookie again after playing for a year. So I want to bring, bring in the energy for the team. What was your most memorable game in your pro career so far? I think it'll have to be our first championship also for Creamline. That season was very hard for us. Well, going into that season, the team already got a couple of third place finishes. But I was only there for one. The tournament where we got our first championship, we were like, okay, we, we want to aim higher. 
parang we know we can be better. We already learned a lot from the couple of tournaments that you know we got second runner up. That was the first reinforced conference I joined. So we had a couple of imports, but then mid tournament we had to switch imports. A few of our teammates also, including myself, got injured. I got a strain in my knee and also going into that championship, there were a lot of worries going through our heads. But then pulling through that and then getting the first championship also for Cream Night. That I remember that day because there was a sea of pink talaga in Mao Arena. So Rubisco encouraged their employees to watch. So sobrang nakakagana talaga. And then when we won that championship, I think that would have been the most memorable in my professional career. When you had that moment, no? Who are the teammates who you celebrated with? Like, is there anyone on the team that you're particularly close to that sharing that moment made it so much sweeter? Well, of course, number one would have been uh, Atelite, Eliza Valdez, because we were together for most of my collegiate and professional career. She was there in the first championship in Ateneo, the second championship in Ateneo. She also encouraged me to go into Creamline so we can play together again after she left college. Is there a piece of memorable advice that Eliza has given you? I think the best would be just to play happy, just to play with no pressure. Especially, siguro nung rookie ako sa Ateneo. Kasi, parang syempre, as rookies, like, you feel a lot of pressure going into a team that strong and experienced all you have to do is to play your best to show what you can do we just need your energy talaga sa loob ng court and then that took a lot of pressure off of our shoulders as rookies i love that play happy play happy yes and also also coach tai was very big on playing happy (laughs) (laughs) but it's also very stressful Yeah, volleyball is a very stressful sport. So, but at the end of the day, parang yung reminder niya sa amin is, you're playing a sport you love. You play best when you're happy, when you're at peace. So, parang even before the game or in between sets, parang he tells us to meditate. So, like, we can go to our happy places and refocus also. What he taught us was just to uh, imagine a white or a bright light. It's more of emptying our mind. Especially with my position when I'm thinking of so much like plays and the opponent and then you spikers go get That's very overwhelming. So to be able to empty your mind, it gives you more peace, gives you more space to think and make decisions mid-game. Yeah. Speaking of your position, your position is such a cerebral role on the team. It it requires so much brain power, it's split second decision making and and so many things that you have to consider like I don't understand like how it's possible like what do you like about being a setter? It's more of the freedom to make plays and to give my teammates an easier time scoring. Of course I don't get the same fulfillment as them like they get to score and then sobrang sarap sa feeling nila. Ako naman, I get that fulfillment when I see them score in the in the easiest way possible. And syempre naman like Fulfilling then for me to see na napahirapan ko yung kalaban, yung blockers ng kalaban whenever I make plays. But it wouldn't be long before the landscape changed. 
not just for Gia or her fellow volleyball players, but for athletes the world over. Ano yung pinaka malaking struggle that you've ever faced as a pro player? I think one of the biggest challenges for us athletes was the first tournament bubble we had to go through during the pandemic. Everyone was coming off two years of training at home because no one was allowed to train on courts. As in, yung biroan namin sa team is best friend na namin yung wall because that's the only thing we can play with. With the volleyball, playing in the team sport, syempre hinahanap din namin yung company ng teammates namin, yung environment of being pushed by other people. So when we went into that tournament bubble, although it's great to be playing again, Maraming ding bago. Like, number one, the fans weren't there. And daming nabago rin sa technicals of the sport. Just because, you know, everyone just wanted to keep safe. And we understood that. Of course, we miss being with our families also na naging support system namin. And to be away from them for like three months, four months, kasi nagbabubble training din kami before the tournament. That was very hard for all of us. So the silver lining there is we get to practice our passion again. After so long, we're seeing more opportunities to play. You know, you have the national team again. All of these things. Para sa yon, like ano yon? Anong pakiramdam when you go out and play against other countries? Buhat buhat mo yung Philippines. Well, it's a huge honor. It's a privilege to be able to play in the national team. I remember that was in 2015. I got the chance to play in the Southeast Asian Games. Shempre sobrang saya ako kasi you know out of all the athletes, volleyball players in the country, there were chosen 12 to 14 players chosen to represent the flag. So shempre kami, we're going in wanting to do our best and all. We know eventually, hopefully, the younger generation will be able to do better also in the future and show what the Philippines can do. But in the Philippines, the competitiveness of the sport is already very high. But then going up against teams from other countries who have been playing the sport even longer and have very well-established long-term programs. Marami pa talaga tayong hahabulin as a sport in terms of program kasi sila, they really focus a lot from grassroots up until professional. And professional is not the highest that They aim for everyone there aims to play for the national team, because that's the kind of privilege and investment that they give to the national team. Nila, they know that all of the levels are interconnected. So even from grassroots, palang everyone gets the opportunity to be better, to grow more, and to thrive into better athletes. So, ako, if I'm going to look at the setters of other countries. Sobrang dami ko talagang matututunan sa kanila in terms of technique, in terms of speed and decision-making. Through grit and skill, Gia has made a name for herself in her chosen sport. In some ways, her journey now looks different from what might have been had she stayed in basketball. The reality is that in volleyball, No one tells women, don't play that, that's not for girls. But it wouldn't be fair or truthful to say that Gia did not face any challenges as a woman in sports.
I guess I haven't been also placed in a position or in a team that hasn't given me the chance to speak out or use my voice in other teams from what I've heard from other players also. Yes, they're given the opportunity to play volleyball, but that's all they're expected to do. We're able to speak out of what we think can help improve our experience, can help make it easier for us to grow or to achieve higher goals. That's something that's not given to other teams. Women's volleyball is more of eye candy for other people. I guess we're only reaching that point palang na volleyball is really appreciated as a professional career na it's not just, you know, to see us women play ng basta-basta. Ako naman on the media side, I feel like we're only just reaching the point where media institutions are covering volleyball players the way that they really deserve to be covered in terms of what is focused on and how women are portrayed. Ang ganda rin makita na the way we're being portrayed as women is we work just as hard also as men in the sport that we play. Gia seems to be very aware of the privileges she enjoys as a female volleyball player, but she also still sees how gender stereotypes hold athletes in her sport back, even men. Her definition of breaking gender barriers in volleyball, it's a mission to make the sport inclusive for everyone. There's no threat to men naman supporting and embracing, you know, the journey to equality. Kasi parang even in volleyball, men's volleyball deserve the spotlight also. After the pandemic, everyone really missed volleyball. It was gone for two years and then women's volleyball came back people started looking for men's volleyball also. They're also appreciating na rin yung technicalities of the sport, the type of yung physicality it takes to perform such movements and skills in the sport na there is something in common for men's and women's volleyball. So there's a lot of you know barriers that have to be broken down. And at the end of the day, like volleyball... It's a community. The world of sports is a community. It's so much easier to break these barriers when it's done together. Like, we couldn't have done it on our own. Or if we did it on our own as athletes, it would have been very hard. So for you, what is gender equality for volleyball? I think we're starting to get there. There's more coverage being given now to men's volleyball at the same time. Like, even even when I was playing in UAAP, slowly, slowly, uh, there would be more coverages of the men's volleyball also though we're not really like expecting to be aired on tv every time but at the same time we'd really appreciate if more people were given the chance to appreciate the sport that you know we all grew to love so for you an equal volleyball world is one where there are no barriers mm-hmm. whether you're a guy or girl you know if you're good at it you get the same opportunities. Yes. Because right now, my heart is really for the grassroots program. Because I want to be able to you know, give the same or if not more opportunity than what I got. Because I have a feeling that in all of my efforts, I'm just if you know, I got even more or better opportunities. So what more for other players right now playing in the grassroots program? So the type of equal world for volleyball that I want is both for boys and girls. 
a decade since she first gained fame as an athlete, Gia has come to the point of looking towards the future, not just for herself, but for the next generation of volleyball players, as an athlete, as a woman. Gia reflects on how she is helping provide opportunities to young players and how her family, her husband Miguel, and her sponsors empower her to be her best self. At the latter years of my volleyball career, I started realizing that you know I'm not getting that same sense of fulfillment I used to get by just playing the sport. So that's when I felt the sense of responsibility to pass what I know to the next generation and provide opportunities also for them to be the best version of themselves. I started working with Solid 7. It was founded by Coach Ed Ortega and Ate Gabriel Ortega. They're both athletes from Ateneo, they're both volleyball players. Coach Ed was a setter and Ate Gab was a libero. And then now they had weekend tournaments that you know, just gave people the space to play, to practice and to you know, play in a tournament. Because that's, that's what athletes are looking for more than just training. They want to play with people and against other people. And then I told them that I wanted to teach. So that's when we started Solid 7 Academy. So it's been going on for a few years. Of course, the pandemic was hard on us also, but then we went online. We wanted to keep, you know, the teaching environment going. And now parang we've expanded also to not just the young players. We've also given opportunities to older generations like adults, both men and women to, you know, beginners and intermediate levels to learn more and practice the sport. So I'm very happy with how things have been running for Solid 7. So that's where I get my sense of fulfillment now. What's it like meeting the younger players? They're very passionate talaga. As in, everyone who enters the academy is so hungry to learn so hungry to play. I was at that level before. I was that hungry also when I was their age. And now I get to teach them what I wanted to be taught when I was their age. What do you see as your role in helping push Philippine volleyball forward as a woman? Well, at first, I really felt that I could help push Philippine volleyball forward by being in the national team, being the best I could be and trying to inspire siyempre, the younger players, the next generation. But then eventually I realized that it's more than just playing in front of a crowd. It's also imparting whatever knowledge, skills, and even yung day-to-day things that I did that you know, I felt helped me achieve where I was or where I am today. Like I really want to play with what I felt was you know, playing with integrity, trying to glorify God best. So... As in, gusto ko yung how I show myself to the younger generation. That's how I believe them. I glorify God best. So that's one thing that empowered me as a woman. Displaying what I felt was my best both in skill and in character. 
Number two was it helped me find young courage and voice to pursue teaching the next generation through Solid 7. And, you know, even yung mga short interviews and platforms that I've given the media sa akin at sa teammates ko, we really do our best to make the most out of that because that was something that wasn't given to women before. And that's something that we really want to take advantage of now. And, you know, of course, there were women before me who inspired me to be like this. So now I want to inspire the next generation naman to take the same initiative and, you know, raise their voice and attempt things that, you know, they never thought was possible. I was struck by how Gia spends a lot of time and energy thinking about her impact for the future generation. And this is where we got to talking about support systems. Just as her family helped her spread her wings as a young athlete, her relationship with her husband, Miguel de Guzman, gives her the safe space to come home to and the peace of mind that lets her think of the big picture. Well, when we met back in college, I think one thing that I made sure Miguel knew was I'm a very powerful woman that knows what she wants. And, you know, I was looking for a partner that was supportive of what I wanted to do. At the same time, I was very supportive of everything that he wants to do because he's he's an athlete himself. He used to play baseball. So to have that kind of support system more than my family, to have him and his family also supporting me in what I do, sobrang plus talaga sa buhay ko. It, it makes life a lot easier for me. That support system isn't limited to one's personal life. For professional athletes, sponsors play a crucial role in one's career. One view of it is, the more you have, the better. After all, financial empowerment is part of women empowerment. But at a deeper level, it's also about shared values. If an athlete works with a sponsor that isn't the right fit, they might be held back from pursuing their passions and advocacies. But if the shared values are there, those passions only get stronger. Under Armour, one thing I really appreciate about them is I know they have the same heart as Solid 7. That's why I really love working with both families because number one, the type of environment and equipment and apparel that they give athletes really helps us perform even better. It helps us, you know, not think so much about other factors that will hinder us from getting better. And another thing is, both Under Armour and Solid 7, they're really for empowering the next generation to be the best versions of themselves that they can be. Because they really do everything they can to provide opportunity, resources, a good environment for athletes to thrive and grow physically, mentally, and emotionally. It's great that they've also given us women a chance to voice out also our journeys. Because it's one thing that I was also fortunate enough to hear when I was younger, like other women who have succeeded, but who went through much harder journeys than I did, but are very successful. So it really inspired me that one day I can be like that. And now Under Armour is giving at that same platform. What's next for Gia in the future? I'm still in the middle of my professional career. So, of course, I'm going to do what I can with my teammates also to continue growing more opportunities for 
volleyball players who are coming out of college. So there's, if there were, was a lot that happened in college, there's even more things that can happen professionally. And we want more athletes to be able to achieve that. Eventually, when I have my own family, I want also to inspire my children to be the same passionate athletes as their parents. At the same time, you know, maybe there's also that chance that I get to play in front of my children. That's one thing that, you know, I hope I can do. Say, I also want to show that, you know, mothers can also play at a very competitive level. Parang may stigma din dun eh. And a lot of people think that once you become a mom, like, oh, she has to recover. She won't be as good as before. Like, there's all this stigma. Well, there are a lot of athletes internationally from different sports who are playing a very at a very high level even after giving birth. Like so the Serena and athletes who play in the Olympics, in women's volleyball Olympics, there are athletes there who are moms. And people are starting to accept that women can still play even after giving birth. They can still play at a very high level. And that's one thing that, you know, I've said also for myself. Hopefully I get the chance to. If you could speak to a young girl who wants to get into volleyball, you know, she probably looks up to you as a role model. What's your advice or message to that young girl? We've been where you are. I know things are going to get hard. It's going to be challenging for you, maybe because you're a girl also, but then that's not going to stop you from reaching whatever you want to reach and even further. Because a lot of men and women are here to support you. Like the world is changing and eventually you're going to do the same for other younger athletes. You're going to want to be the best that you can be. So just stay hungry, stay passionate, and just keep doing what you want to do, especially because you love it. You love the sport. At the end of the day, it's something that you know will keep you sane, will keep you happy, keep your mind away from things that stress you out or trouble you. So just be happy where you are and give your best no matter whatever the results, and you will reach where you want to go. This episode was hosted by me, Siege Nantenko. Listen to the end of the credits to find out who Gia's favorite Haikyuu character is. This episode was produced by Nina Taralba and edited by Presh Capistrano. If you learned something new with this episode, please rate us with five stars on your podcast app. It really helps more people discover the stories we do and help introduce more people to our amazing Filipina athletes. What was your favorite part of this episode? Share your favorite Gia de Guzman quote on social media and don't forget to tag us at underscore GoHardGirls on Twitter and Instagram and GoHardGirlsPH on TikTok and Facebook. You can also tag me at Siege the Day. That's C-E-E-J the Day. Once again, this episode was made possible with the support of Under Armour. Just now, curious, do you watch Haikyuu? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I do. Yung nakakatawa dun is one point in a game, they can make it last for the whole episode or two. Yes. <laughs> do you have a favorite in Haikyuu? 
Oh, it has to be Kageyama pa rin. Yeah. The setter. <laughs> yeah, kasi, I don't know, at first kasi, di ba, he, he really came off as a mean person who doesn't talk to people, you know. And sometimes, you know, when I'm new in the team, I sometimes give off that vibe even though it's not true. But then, parang, and generally, <laughs> what I like about him is he's a very smart player that knows how to bring out the best in his teammates. Ah. Uh. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 